All right, eighth grade. So here we go again. Another Italian girl, beautiful girl, gorgeous eyes, Cara Portanova. What can I say? Up to now, Italian girls are my kryptonite. Didn't last long, only a couple of months though. I would run cross country this year for the school. I actually was good. I broke the eighth grade school time record. However, in one particular race, I was neck to neck with an opponent from another school. You see, we ran on a natural path that was in the woods and three quarters of the way through the race, he was still right next to me. It was at this moment in time, no one around but us two, I diverted into a shortcut through the woods. I beat him. My coach would come up to me later after being informed, after being informed of my diverted path by my opponent. Come on, coach, I wouldn't cheat. Yeah, there was no way I was gonna admit that I cheated. As for wrestling that year, I would go undefeated. Ninth grade. I believe ninth grade was the year that my cousin Mary came for the summer. Mary and I were very close. She lived in Nebraska, but we really got close that summer. We would go on to write to each other multiple times over the years. Those letters, I still have them from her to this day. I think this was the year the youth group went to Ohio to do a kids camp. Overall, it was a great summer and I met a lot of new people. This is also the summer I started dating Vicky. Wait, wait a minute. She's not Italian. Either way, she was my first true love. We would date for four years. Honestly, don't know why we did not stay together and get married. Either way, it worked out well because I got three fabulous boys that I could not imagine being without. Wrestling. So I'm wrestling this one boy who keeps murmuring and muttering words of an unknown language. He then proceeds to bite me. The ref stops the match and gives him a warning. He then proceeds to bite me again. So he's disqualified. The following summer, you know, a couple of months later, this boy and another boy would commit murder. They were part of a satanic group. Hence, remember the murmuring of an unknown language while I was wrestling with him? Without going into the gory details, they ritualistically tortured and killed a classmate. This is also the year of the famous chant. I want the East Coast champ. I want the East Coast champ. I'm not going to lie. It was like watching Rocky III. That boy came through our locker room chanting that phrase. You see, at that point, all the other teams knew who I was. Coaches would bump their wrestlers out of my weight class just so they would not lose. 
I was a wrecking machine. I was the ankle pick nightmare. This was the year that I went on a pinning streak. After each match that I pinned my opponent, I would look out at the crowd and hold up the number of that pin using my fingers. Let's just say I had to use two hands. Yeah, I was meek, but I was also cocky. I would be the team captain. I went undefeated, and I would also be the most valuable wrestler that year. 10th grade. I guess life would be going as normal. Still was dating Vicky and in love. And I had two really close friends, Steven Silvestri and Billy Honig. As for wrestling, it was intense. As usual, practice for three hours after school classes were over. And then I'd go home, put on jogging sweats, and run four miles every night. On cold, snowy nights, I would wear a mask to keep that cold, burning feeling out of my nostrils and my lungs. Either way, whatever climate conditions offered, I would run. For me, no matter how much I practiced and ran, I was still physically exhausted during those wrestling matches. I guess I was just not born with great lung capacity. My muscles would also fatigue and get filled with lactic acid constantly. There were matches that my forearms would get so puffed up from lactic acid that I could barely grip my opponent. I can, I can distinctly remember some matches that getting so bad that I, 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 I literally wanted to quit. However, wrestlers don't quit. We are warriors. We are grapplers. We are the tough guys. We are champions. I would be the team captain again, get the most valuable wrestler again, and I would also go undefeated. 11th grade. Things got a little squirrely this year. I decided that I would double up and graduate a year early. Looking back, probably this wasn't the best idea. Although I never had a junior year, I really didn't have a true senior year either. Most of my friends would still be going to school for another year. I would also speed up my life because what was I going to do after college? I mean, I'm not after college, after I graduate. It was just so easy. All I had to do was take one 12th grade English class to graduate a whole year early. A couple of the downfalls would be my brother Billy and I did not get the chance to wrestle as teammates for high school. Um, and plus Vicky and I would not enjoy going to high school together. As for wrestling, I got complacent. There was nobody on the team better than me. Therefore, I wasn't getting better. In sports, you tend to become the level of your competition. Every day I was making the other inferior wrestlers better, but I was getting worse. There was no one in the wrestling room that was better that could help me to achieve a higher level. So I guess I did not have the same drive. I did have a lot of really great matches, memorable matches, tournaments where there would be crowds of people, three and even four people thick circling around the mat, you know, around the match to watch. 
It was a match that I executed the best leg sweep ankle pick combo I have ever, ever did in my life. It was flawless. This would be the year that the prior state champion and I would meet. When the match started, he tried to throw me. I countered and planted him right on his back. It was a great match, but he would come back and defeat me. I would end that year with a winning record, but the first year in four that I did not go undefeated. Well, it was over. I had adorned my wrestling singlet, snapped on my headgear, slid on my knee brace, and laced up my wrestling shoes for the last time. Years of hard work were done. I can remember being in the shower after my final match, contemplating my wrestling career. All of the time, all of the effort, and all of the energy it would take over those years. It started as a 10-year-old, lanky, skinny little boy walking into an unknown, intimidating environment. Wearing shorts, a t-shirt, regular sneakers, and walking onto a semi-soft red wrestling mat. It would start with the basics, the rules of the mat. I would learn what I would consider one of the most important techniques of wrestling that very first day. The technique of a wrestler's takedown stance. Every wrestler will learn to adjust and perfect his unique stance. A wrestler's takedown stance becomes his confidence. It is the statement of who he is on the mat. That stance will become part of him. It will reflect his wrestling attitude, his composure on the mat. No more shorts, no more t-shirt, and no more regular sneakers. That rookie persona would have to leave. It was time, time to be a real wrestler. Time to put on my singlet, lace up my wrestling shoes, snap on my head to walk out on the mat and assume my takedown stance, the who I am as a wrestler. A wrestling match outcome is up to you and you alone. You will have teammates and family and friends cheering you on, but none of those people will be on that mat determining the outcome. So when that final whistle blows and you have given it your all, you will stand and you will face that crowd and hold your head high. Your arm will be raised to the heavens. You will be crowned victorious. You are a champion. So this is the year 1985. I am now 17 years old and graduated from high school. I got my first ride. My dad gave me the family van. This was no ordinary van. It was the green machine. It had all the extras, giant mag wheels in the back, flares and side pipes, boasted a four barrel, 460 engine. It was so fast. To be honest, too much power for a 17 year old. 
I did some reckless driving in that van. This summer, I was working with my brother Timmy on one of his irrigation installations. There was also a crew at the same site that was laying a new concrete sidewalk. The concrete crew had finished their job and were loaded up their truck. Do you remember earlier I stated that Italian girls were my kryptonite? You see, there was this one girl in high school, Dawn Forte. Dawn Forte was one of the prettiest girls I had ever seen. It just so happened as I was working with working that Dawn Forte would come strolling down the street in front of me. At this point in time, everything slows down. My eyes were completely focused and gazed on Dawn as she walked by me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten that sinking feeling? Yeah, I have. You see, somehow while I was focused on Dawn, I inadvertently had walked into the newly finished, yet wet, concrete sidewalk. I am now standing shin high in concrete while the concrete foreman is blasting me with words from another language that I can only assume are curse words. Oh, please, oh, please don't look back at me, Dawn Forte. How embarrassing is that? Oh, gosh, those Italian girls. I did not go straight to college. I took on a job at first. I would work with my brother's friend, Tommy Sally, on his father's Vactor truck. This is the truck that has a giant vacuum that sucks up leaves and debris off of the streets. It was actually quite a fun time. Me and Tommy would laugh all day long. November 12th, life and death. You see, on this day, the family would experience both. My nephew, Timmy, the first grandchild of my parents, would be born. A few hours later, one of the greatest women I have ever known would die. Grandma Davidson had entered God's glorious kingdom. Grandma Davidson was a grandma to all. You did not have to be related to her to call her grandma. Literally, nearly everyone who knew her, young and old, would call her grandma. At an event, grandma was at a crowd. Everybody would be gathered, gathered, uh, gathered around grandma. People were just drawn to her. She was funny, exceptionally loving, a pure joy to be around. She would love to laugh. When you sat next to her, you could be assured her hand would be resting on your knee. Her way of always letting you know she cared. Her death devastated me. We were very close. We had a little pet name thing going on. You see, one day grandma somehow forgot the date of my birth. From that day on, when grandma would send me letters and birthday cards, they would start with my birthday. It would say, Dear April, April 23rd. And they would end with her birthday, 
love October 8th. For many years, Grandma lived in Nebraska, so each summer she would come to Long Island to visit. I can still remember to this day going to the airport every summer in anticipation of seeing Grandma coming down the escalator. She would always bring us all baked goods, especially her peanut brittle. Grandma would also be sure to make us her favorite dinner, sausage and pepper heroes. She would always state if the marinara sauce was not dripping down your chin, it wasn't made right. Grandma would always say the same line as she walked up the stairways to bed each night. Good night all, and God willing, I will see you in the morning. Grandma had battled cancer earlier in her life, but it was recessed for many, many years. But as fate would have it, cancer came back one day. I believe it was only days from when she found that she had cancer again, that she would pass away. I remember that day I had come home from work my father was at the door, saddened, and he was just shaking his head. I stood there on the front lawn, knowing by his reaction that she had died. Vicky was there and would come outside to hug and comfort me. I remember when Tommy Sally came over the next day and picked me up for work. I got in the car and informed him of her passing. He drove about three houses forward, stopped his car, and just cried. She is the one woman that I wish my children could have known. She was so special. Um, so the years 1986 to 1988, this would be my college years. I went to Farmingdale State University. I obtained an associate's degree in advertising art and design. In figure drawing class, a girl walked in wearing a robe then she proceeded to disrobe. I had no idea that we would be drawing naked people. And added benefit to being an artist, huh? Let's just say I never was absent to any figure drawing classes during my semesters of college, although I could have done without the male models. Family, friends, and relationships would end during this time. My parents, Billy, and Christy would move away to Florida. Stephen Silvestri went away to college for a while. Billy Honan moved away to Buffalo, New York, and Vicki and I would end our four-year relationship. Summer of 1988 to 1991. Goodbye, Long Island. Hello, Florida. I graduated college and I was off to Florida. My father and mother had decided to invest money into a franchise called Speedy Signorama USA. My parents would not work there because my father was starting a church. My brothers, Timmy, Billy, and I would run the business. We would learn the trade of sign making and run the business for many years. Although the franchise eventually would fail, we would go on to open our own private sign company, Jiffy Signs. Timmy would eventually move on to Virginia and I would eventually open up my own sign company. And Billy would continue to operate the original Jiffy Signs. Um, Sunlight Community Church was the name of the church that my dad started. We would meet in a movie theater in Boca Raton. Each Sunday, we would put up a stage in one of the theaters and set up kid zones throughout the auditorium. 
the church would end up becoming a positive and helpful aspect to many families in the area. What can I say? It happened again. Another Italian girl. This would be the girl that I would marry. We met at my dad's church. She was too nervous to come up to meet herself, so she sent her brother over to find out about me. In conversation with him, I had mentioned I would be going back to Long Island. Kim had thought that meant I was leaving. However, it was just for a revisit. When I returned from Long Island, we would start to get to know each other. We were seeing each other for maybe a month or two, but I had not asked her to be my girlfriend yet. She would tell me later that she would talk to her mom and say I didn't like her because I didn't kiss her yet. Maybe I was just playing hard to get. Eventually, we would officially start dating, and of course, the kissing would begin. We dated for about two years before I asked her to marry me. During our dating years, we had our certain romantic spot. We used to love to go at night to the beach and sit in the lifeguard stand. It was in this stand that I wore, or wore her engagement ring around my gold chain necklace. I positioned the ring behind my then long hair at the back of my neck. When it came time, I got down on my knee and slid the ring to the front of my chest and asked the question. And yes, she said, yes. 1991 to 92. In May of 1991, Kimberly and I would get married. It was a beautiful big wedding. To this day, I still think the bridesmaids had the prettiest dresses of any wedding I had seen. The dresses were black and white, very stylish. It is such a wonderful and special time as a groom to see your bride walking down the aisle toward you. My father would be the pastor that married us. March 18, 1992, our first born son, Glenn would enter the world. I did not get the chance to drive Kimberly to the hospital to give birth. You see, she had went into labor very quickly and I was at work too far from home. I really did wish I had the opportunity, opportunity to enjoy that part, you know, the panic drive to the hospital. From a father's point of view, the whole birth experience is really overwhelming. You're sitting in a room, your wife is in pain, and there's nothing that you can do. Your heart is fluttering, your mind tends to go numb. It's exhilarating. And when that moment came and Glenn was born, the joy I felt, it was, it was just fantastic. However, I was not ready for the afterbirth that came out next. I thought Kim just shot out her liver somehow. It was nasty. It would, it would turn out that Glenn would have an uncomfortable infancy life. It turns out that he would have severe acid reflux. He cried so often. It took quite a long time, many months, for the doctors to figure out what was wrong with him. Uh, 1993, I believe this was the year that we got into a pretty dangerous car accident. Kimberly was driving, I in the, and I was in the passenger seat and little Glenn behind me. Kimberly would make a left-hand turn and another vehicle would jackknife us right on the passenger side. I don't remember getting out of the car to be able to get Glenn out of the back seat. You see, my door was smashed shut. 
maybe I crawled out the window. The only thing I remember is the impact and then me sitting on the grass holding Glenn on my lap. When they put me in the ambulance, I could not remember my name. I can vividly remember lying there, my heart was pounding, and I didn't know who I was. Luckily, it was not permanent brain trauma, just um, trauma from the impact. Uh, June 29th, 1995, our second son is born. Jordan would be the biggest of our babies, but he will also come out purple and fuzzy. Kimberly was induced, so there was no emergency drive to the hospital. Now I would have two boys to teach and to love. At this point, Glenn will be a little over three years old. He would be mimicking everything that I do. I love the pictures I have of him holding the lower handle of the mower as we would mow the lawn together. When I would weed whack, Glenn would follow behind me using his little plastic hockey stick as he pretended to also be weed whacking the lawn. Uh, 1999, January 5th, 1999, our third son is born. Tal, like Jordan, was induced. So, um, I never got that hurry up and drive to the hospital experience. We would name Tal after a character in the book, This Present Darkness. Tal is the main angel in the book. That is why as a young boy, I would call Tal my angel. By now, Glenn is nearly seven year old. Uh, funny story at this point, I was a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Living in Florida, nearly everyone else they're all Miami Dolphin fans. The Dolphins were my least favorite team. I had taught little Glenn that the Dolphins were called the Wussies. Therefore, whenever the Dolphins were on TV, little Glenn would say, look, Daddy, the Wussies are on. Jordan is now three and a half years old, bright blonde hair and big blue eyes. I would call Jordan my Tweety Bird. Jordan used to make this funny statement quite often. If he felt someone was laughing at him, he would scrunch his eyebrows down towards his nose, and in a voice like a little Italian man, he would say, are you making a fun of me? We would also call Jordan the Horse Whisperer. There was a horse named Ariel by his grandmother's house, that just loved Jordan. The horse owner would state that Jordan could make Ariel so calm when he was around her. And we'll end this segment here. And the next segment will be our move to Carolina. <laughs> 